The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number we don't know of On the Corner of the Official Pitcherlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the styling Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Yes, I am in an ex Bacon mm. shirt. Not an ex Bacon. No, no, no. That's an actual bacon yeah, shirt. Yeah, the ex Bacon. It's way, way better. Uh, Justin Paradis made this design. You can get it at the Pitcherlist store. You can see it has a pancake in it and bacon in it and an butter. egg. And but this is a very special episode. I I I want to say this. Um, Alex Fast is going off to California. Mm-hmm. He's leaving later today. Yep. And uh, since we've been doing this since 2016, Alex has been in person with me for about I'd say 95 percent of them. Yeah, since maybe 90 percent. Yeah, pretty like much. Right. Yeah. And I still have that photo of that very first one we did in the alcove mm-hmm. uh, with the one blue yeti, and I we sat on cushions around it. <laughs> It, it's something ridiculous. And, of course, it's not going to stop or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, you're going to be in California. I'm going to be in New York. So we had to do a live episode. That's what we're doing right now on twitch.tv slash pitcherlist. Uh, it's just so good to see you one last time here in person. Yeah. We all wish you the very best. And, Thank you. you yeah. I, I feel like I, I feel like I owe people an, an, uh, an explanation. You know, it's funny. Yancey always says, like, he thinks it's so funny when people go on Twitter and be like, I like, I'm not. I don't want to blow up Yancey's spot, but you're like, uh, I'm not going to be on Twitter for a while. I'll talk to you later. He's like, who cares? Like, you don't need to tell people <laughs> that. Uh, I love Yancey. Um, but I obviously haven't been on Twitter as much. Uh, that's going to change coming in the new year. I'm going to be back. But yeah, as Nick hinted, moving off to California for a new job. Not leaving PitcherList, of course. Still staying. It's going to be PL coast to coast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, new job. We got a baby on the way coming opening yeah, day. Do. Opening day. I know. that. That's absurd. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, between that, it's a it's a move for a new job with a baby on the way, and uh, that has taken up 100% of my time. So I miss Twitter. I miss the Pitcherless community. I will be back once, probably once I settle in, like, January. Uh-huh. We, we, so I, we fly to Florida today, and then we fly oh, to I LA. I thought you were saying back in New York. I'm like, you're going to be back in New York yet yeah, in January when we settle. I'm like, what? I, we That's will not. be back. We, I don't think I could ever leave. Today, this morning, these two guys that live on my block saw me coming downstairs with the coffee, and they were like, facetiously, they're like, what are you doing with that coffee? You don't live here anymore. And they're like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. We're really going to miss you. And I was like, well, I'm going to break down into a puddle of tears. <laughs> anyway, you're not here to listen to us talk about uh, me moving and all that sadness. You're here to watch and to see us uh, and listen to us, because it's also going to be a podcast. 
um, talk about baseball, what yes. we always do. It's been, it's been a little a little bit of a while. It's been a while since we chatted baseball because of all the aforementioned things. But today we're going to talk about the NFBC ADP. There's a lot of, it's a very interesting ADP. Um, before we get to that, I mean, we're in the middle of the, the lockout. How are you feeling overall? Are you feeling a little more optimistic? Are you feeling more pessimistic? Are you just like biding your time? I feel good about it. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, we're working on the PL7 stuff, which anyone that has seen it, you've seen it, you know what it is. It's a lot, and it's a good it's a lot. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's all very good things. Um, and that, you know, every year around this time, I'm just head down, focus on all that stuff anyway. Uh, but it's, um, I mean, as far as the lockout goes, I honestly don't really feel we're gonna miss much. I, I remember the beginning of it before it happened. I was. I don't know, 50-50 about it. I'm feeling like 80-20 okay. that this won't be an issue at this point. Um, you know, it's maybe it's just because I've been busy and I haven't been on Twitter as much, but it also just kind of feels like everyone just knows it's going to be a little bit of time. You know what right. I mean? I feel like when, when, when the lockout was, ha- when the pandemic was happening, everyone was on Twitter every day finding out, like, when is this season going to start? And that's probably because we're so desperate for any kind of sport. We were, like, freaking out. Um, maybe, I, I think people kind of... At least I did. He did Jeff Passan's warning from that article, which was like, do not panic until February. You know what I mean? If it's like February 1st and there has been zero progress. Right, exactly. And then also there was a tweet from Talking Baseball yesterday that David Cohn had said, like, yeah. he thinks there are some good signs that there well, isn't going to be any movement until games are coming. Got, there has to be posturing, too. Yeah. You know, um, I've talked to some smart people in the industry uh, and, and one of them mentioned uh, about just like, yeah, they need to be, you know, they have to be able to go back to their people to say, we fought for this. Mm-hmm. They both shake hands right away. And they're going to say, well, you could have done more. Yeah, yeah, of course. And there has to be, you know, at least some significant amount of time to say, like, look, they weren't going to budge on this whatsoever. Like, we fought for everything we could. This is the best we could do. So both sides are happy. Is there anything you are hoping does happen and anything you're hoping doesn't happen from the CBA? I mean, all, all I care about right now is just that there is baseball. Yeah, let's it's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I want there to be a better system for free agency. I want there to be a better incentive so that there isn't tanking. I want some way so that teams don't have a 40 million payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want there, you know, I want essentially Guilty. players. <laughs> Guilty is charged. Yeah, how do you feel about Jordan Lyles as your number two right now? Huh? So fitting that he's a number two. I mean, you've been talking highly about Lyles, I think, over the past year. For, Introduce honestly, that slider. Honestly, I, I have no, like, those are the kind of signings that I love them making. Like, right. I'm all about Jordan Lyles because we're not winning this year. Theoretically, maybe they could do, like, they did something with Matt Harvey's uh, repertoire last year. There were some small tinks, sure. that, you know, or maybe that was what he did in the offseason. But Lyles, he's got a plus pitch, right? He, he has, has one plus pitch. You just can't, sometimes it, it doesn't work. When it all works, exactly. too. The curveball isn't bad. That's actually the pitch that's made him survive for some time. I think we actually talked about him for actual legitimate relevancy in 2019, mm-hmm. I think, in fantasy, uh, Jordan Lyles. But, yeah, sliders and curveballs both working. It can be good on a given night. That's fine. So I, I really yeah. don't mind. I mean, yeah. like, sure, I'll take that all day. Sure. That sounds good. Um, so they're okay. So you want free agency. You want, like, what do you feel about playoffs? Uh, I'm honestly, I'm all for expanded stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. Yeah. You know, I, I know the, I know the purist is like, look, we want, uh, well, the regular season doesn't matter then, but you could make some, you can make it playoff where actually the guys that win the division could get some buys. You can make it so that they have very more preferable series too. If instead of like the one versus the eight, well, that's kind of silly in the world of baseball for like a three game series. Mm-hmm. 
but you can you can do some things to make it heavily weighted towards the one seed there and i think that would just be fun i enjoyed watching that much baseball in 2020 i enjoyed the marlins making the playoffs. yeah that was great and winning a series yeah yeah it was amazing don't forget that sorry cubs fans and i think too that like if i remember correctly there was a little bit more excitement around trades that time. You know what I mean? Because mm. there was a, a, a larger field and there yeah. were more fringe teams. It was like, yeah, why not? Let's let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can try and do it this year. So I do think uh, the purist in me is a little bit weird about it, but I do think it is it is kind of fun. It's fun. I, I mean, I kind of dug the, uh, the extra man on second rule too, uh, which mm. is, I know this is, I just wanted to put that out there from the side I'm coming from. Where that one is, there are aspects of the game that are true to the sport, and in the playoffs, I don't want that. Of course not. Yeah. That I know conflict with it, but also I'm not uh, blind to my inner self saying, I don't want to be stuck here till the 15th, 16th watching this game. So that that's why I think do it in the 12th. Mm, okay. Or you, like, yeah. You know, even yeah, that makes that's that's a good compromise, right? Yeah. Cause I think if you do it in the eleventh, then people just might play to get towards the eleventh. Right. You know what I mean? Like if if you know if there's two outs and nobody on, it's like whatever. We have our next shot in the eleventh with a man on second. But if you've got two innings of regular quote unquote baseball, I'm all. And then I think you could still do it in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It's almost like you know going no, you into PK. In you can't do it in the playoffs. Even in the twelfth, you can't do it. I don't mind. You it. You can't. I don't mind it. No, no. I re- that would that would. People would revolt about that. Yeah. All right, but I, I think that's a good compromise, 12th inning. Yeah. I think that's good, too. I also, and I know we're going to move to NFBA to see, but this is actually this yeah, is kind of fun to talk about. Enjoy it. It's at, fun! It's fun. Right! Nick and Alex just talking about baseball. It's not fantasy. It's just baseball. It's reality, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about fantasy. There's no Mariah Carey here. We're talking reality. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. Wait, the divisions. Where, where are you going? <laughs> Something. Nick is leaving me in the middle of a question. The question that I want you to be thinking about, or at least the one that I'm going to be posing to you, is what do you feel about... There was a, kind of rumors of a proposed change um, to no divisions and doing like almost like a basketball-style one through eight. Oh, How yeah, right, right, that? right. Uh, no, I think you need to have inter-division rivals. I think that's... I mean, sure, you could still have it with those with that conference type. Yeah. But I think... I don't know. Uh, you got to have the Yankees and the Red Sox separated... From uh, the the Cubs and the Cardinals and uh, the Mets and everyone in the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean I feel I feel that you have to heighten rivalries more. I think that's a very important thing, and I feel the more that you make it just in you know, just one giant grouping, you lose that. A moment of I've had I'm having a stroke of genius. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, why not do this? Let's get rid of the sport entirely. Why not, <laughs> Why not do this? Okay, let's go to the 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 basketball style, which I actually kind of dig. For, okay, and let's make it so that every team plays each other. That kind of drives me mad. Like I, I think it's really better for the sport to have every team play each other. I sure. know a lot of fans the, who just watch their team and they have no idea what a San Diego Padre is. Like if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you don't you can't name a if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan living in Baltimore and you're just a straight up baseball fan, you don't know players on on the Padres. You don't know players on the Cardinals, you know what sure. I mean? Just, I mean, I think it's them. I think it's more of the opposite cuz they know Tatis but they don't know a single Oriole. But, oh yeah, if there are Padres. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. But that's a great point, right? And that yeah. is, but that, that so is valid because the they one, should know the Ryan one. Uh, the one problem with it, I wait, think, wait, I'm not done. Is I'm not done. Traveling though. No, I don't care about that. Well, yeah, but they do. Who cares? Well, you the, have a West Coast trip. You can make it work. Right. It's just it's just harder. You're traveling more often. You're traveling farther a lot more often. It, that's the only issue. I think that they the reason why that doesn't happen now. If that's not an issue, I think that's great. 
I would say that there has to be plausible ways to make that work. If you're taking a one-week uh, West Coast trip, yeah. make it a two-week West Coast trip, right. and you're doing all the stadiums in the West Coast. See the coast! See the beach! See, see the beach! <laughs> Drive on the PCH. Um, the other thing that I would like to do is have almost like a college football rivalry week or weekend, right? Sure. Yeah. Where you obviously can't do it as a week, a weekend, excuse me, because they're like the Yankees have the Red Sox are their main rival, but it's not good for the sport, I think, to just say this is your one rival. Make it a rivalry week, right? They could still have a rivalry so, with the so Rays. That kind of exists right now, just by divisional games. Well, There's no, no, no weekend for it. Uh, well, they okay. If you remember, the Yankees and Mets would play the Subway Series mm-hmm. that weekend. They would they positioned everyone to have their rivals. Oh yeah, where they did like the yeah. Beltway series. Yeah, and, and they did Chicago facing each other. And, you know, they they did a lot of these. Uh, they did the Giants against the uh, the Athletics, I believe, as well. I mean, they did some of this stuff too. Of you know, just these are your rivals. Go face them, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not against that. I think that's kind of cool. I'm all for that. And also Michigan being OSU, I'm for that too. That was crazy, unreal, unreal. I'm a Michigan fan because my sister went there. I'm, and, I guess uh, I'd be an OSU. Fan. We've been suffering. For so long, yeah, the days. hammer against the nail. Yeah, we're a college, what, we're a college football podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. There was that, but I guess I didn't count it as much because, like, the Yankees' rivalry is not with the Mets. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. Yes, there's the yeah. well. I mean, series, the Mets but... will tell you the other <laughs> that there is one, but we just, you know, they're the little brother to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Do you also like? How would you if you're a Mets fan? We're once again we're just talking baseball now. Of course, just baseball. Would you I... want Buck Walter as your manager? Okay. Um, I know everyone wants no. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks of Buck. I don't honestly know the extent of Buck's old school thought and mm-hmm. anti-analytics that I think a lot of people think that exists with him. From the outside, as an individual, I've always liked Buck. I've totally. always respected Buck. Yeah. I, I think the gif of him trying to get a high five from Manny Machado is one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> and just a good expression of him. Has he made a lot of mistakes? I mean, Zach Britton is still waiting in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think you can do a lot worse than Buck Showalter. I know a lot of people are going to be so upset about me uh, at me for that, but I, I think he's not that bad. I think I mean I don't know. I don't know. Do a, you can always do a little bit worse. You know what I mean? That's the thing. You can always do a right. little well, bit worse. Well, I mean the fact that like I under you say what you want. He's been doing it for so long. He clearly has some skill set that is effective and good. Yeah, I mean I think. What was the prime example? Say for the Britain thing, which can be corrected. Just say, hey, nowadays we throw in our reliever in the you know not in the safe situation. Oh, cool. I'll change that moving that moving forward. Mm-hmm. What is the it, like super egregious like? Showalter is so clearly bad. Here it is. There's no clearly bad. I don't think anyone would say that Showalter is clearly bad. I think you already hit the nail on the head where it's a his mentality. Uh, seems to be based upon a reluctance to overly like if there's a spectrum of relying on the analytics at which Gabe Kapler is all the way on the other side and a spectrum of just going with your gut going with your feel with what yeah. let's say is like Tony LaRussa or something I don't mm-hmm. know yeah I don't know either he's a little let's say for argument's sake it's Tony LaRussa he's more on that Tony LaRussa yeah side. sure now I I agree with the people who say I don't think he would be the best for a modern team but there is a counter to that that fits into your point which I think is Joe Girardi right but then again, Joe Girardi had more success probably in Philly than Gabe Kapler did, but Joe Girardi didn't have a lot of success in Philly. The Mets are failing on every level to get anyone on their team to do things. So that's even more worrisome. Yeah, so if you get Showalter, great. You got something. Just like just be happy with that in the yeah. short term, and we'll figure it out moving forward. I'm more worried that the ownership is like, let's just get Buck. 
You know what I mean? Like th- mm. th- that clearly to me does not show like we want to turn the page. We want to be an analytical front office. You know, like right. But I feel like they needed they need to do things with their you know in the front office first before they start doing that with the manager. And I don't know if that's gonna happen. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, so yeah. it, 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 at least they're not the Rockies guys, though, right? That's always the case. <laughs> they, when you said like it could get worse, that's usually what it, what it ends up as. Um, I I can't read these comments are so far away. Yeah, eyes, no, I'm sorry, sorry comments. I, I can't, I'm sure they're very nice. I'm sure they're they're. they're <laughs> Let's try to get them up here. Yeah, please. Can I pull it up on Twitch? Like, yeah, is there you a can way just go that? just go to Twitch and watch it. Oh, okay, you I can, can ju- you can just do that fast. Uh, but yeah, we promise we'll get to NFBC uh, talking about these pictures soon. I'm just, you know, I, I, it's been a while since it's I've been talked to Since I have talked to Alex first. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, know, I, was, I was wonderful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's weird because we don't actually have news. We won't have news for, I don't know, probably another month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like baseball, right? Like, do you expect anything to happen in the next month? No, I right? don't. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I expect there to be posturing, but I don't want to be the talking heads who then talk about the posturing. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't want to feed into the machine of like, I don't want there to be some article that comes out that's BS based off a rumor because a website needs clicks that we then right. perpetuate because of that. So right, right, yeah, right. there probably isn't going to be too much. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so we're going to talk about fantasy then. Yeah. We'll we're going about- to go into the NFBC, which we don't normally do. And I will say, I'm going to try to the best of my ability to talk about this in 15-teamers as opposed to 12-teamers. Because I understand NFBC is not a 12-teamer thing that we normally talk about on this. Okay, all right. Right? Well, so. we, can, we can dive in. So, we've got, so here's what we're, we're referencing today. We're referencing the NFBC um, ADP, and we're doing it from October to today, which is December 15th. Um, so I don't I don't know how many drafts there have been. There have been 49, it looks like. Okay, 49 that's, that's a good amount of drafts. That's a good amount. That's yeah. enough that we could probably talk about. And, right. uh, you know... So, but with that said, it's early for sure. Let's start with, to me, the the biggest surprise, which is one one for for pitchers, ADP of about seven, is Shohei Otani. Well, I mean that's not too shocking. I think in this you can sub in uh, Shohei either as a pitcher or a hitter in a given week, mm-hmm. given how good he is as a hitter. Uh, I mean, I've been seeing in twelve teamers he goes around sixth or seventh. So didn't he go first in a mock in the PL mock? Uh, he went in the first round. Oh, I thought he yeah. went 1-1. I mean, if he's a dual-eligible player, like, you can, and not a weekly, this is weekly, instead of, you know, if it's a daily and he has dual eligibility, then he should be 1-1. Yeah. That flexibility is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I think I'm, like, never going to roster him, and not because I don't doubt. I mean, I was definitely proved wrong with with, with his abilities. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, still, his abilities. I still watch that video on Joe PCP and uh, and Dan Harris. Oh, about you guys. so fun. Yeah, that was a great time. And uh, you guys were arguing about Shoei Otani. Should he be the 60th pitcher taken off the board? That's crazy. And I'm saying yes. And, and I'm you guys, saying no. And you won. You won somehow. Was that when I threw that word back at you? Yeah, the de- defenestration? Defenestration. Do you even remember what the word was? Throw out the window to defenestrate yeah. your argument. Oh I, 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 I don't deny any of, his, any of his abilities. It's just that the injury... Threat is always just going to be so present. Well, for right. Me. I'm not going to go after it. I'm yeah. personally not doing this. Okay. But uh, I understand why people are. Yeah. That, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I yeah. exactly. I understand. I have no qualms with it whatsoever. For me, it's just I'm too risk averse for it. Exactly. Um. So if he let, let's let's have this argument then or this conversation. If he is just a pitcher in a league, mm-hmm. where does he drop down to? I uh, okay. So I have him around thirty or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to keep him there because we were talking about the injury stuff. I mean, 
his ability through the season, let's say he goes 25, 30 starts or so, is around 20, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I don't think of him as a one-whip guy. I think of him more like a 110, 115 with around a 3-3 ERA or something like that. There is some volatility in the splitter, the slider combination. He does throw harder now, which is good. Again, like the fastball wasn't as destroyed as it was in 2019 for Shohei Otani. But the, the major question just is, what you know? What are we going to see? What are we, how much of it we're, are we going to see? Um, and I think there are a lot of guys that can really push the 180 and beyond. And I, as far as innings goes, and I'd just rather go with that. All right. Um, the next couple to round out the top five are Cole, Burns, Bueller, and Scherzer. How do you feel about that two through five? Okay, so I uh, in this, I think Cole should be the one above Burns. Um, it's just more of a lock and stability, and especially in NFBC, you 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 just want to make sure you get the things mm-hmm. earlier on. Uh, talking about Phil Dussault's uh, NFBC off at First Pitch Arizona, it was Rob Silver, Clay Link, Justin Mason, fantastic panel that they did there. Uh, the main emphasis, of, oh, it sounds like your coffee is empty fast. Uh, it, listen, your thing went off on your phone, okay? <laughs> We're talking about sounds oh, here. I know. I just loved it. I just, anyone that was confused, like, why does it sound like, I know, this man needs his coffee. People want an ASMR. He, I can he needs just, more I coffee. Just do the slurping into the empty cup. For well, no, but they were mentioning Rob Silver, Justin Mason, Clay Link about um, he won NFBC more from, uh, from building from the bottom. Mm. So getting stability up top and then getting actually extra value from the bottom and finding the right guy guys to do that which means that you need to have stability up top and between Cole Burns for me and Scherzer it's just Cole Cole has a track record it's a lot safer you're going to get over well over 200 strikeouts you're going to get likely over 200 innings you're going to get a lot of wins it's just go with Cole to me I understand why Burns is is very appealing but he threw under 170 innings last year so that's that's a big question what I was going to say then by that logic would you put would you make it Scherzer, Bueller, Burns? Would you make it Bueller, Scherzer, Burns? I mean, there, we're talking about an, stability. Yeah, there's an argument for Bueller. Uh, Scherzer, I think uh, we don't quite uh, know what to do because, I mean, what was it about 175 innings last year for Max Scherzer? We don't expect 200. Bueller did it. So, Bueller did it, and he did it effectively, a sub-2-5 ERA along the way. His stuff wasn't as good as we've seen, surprisingly. But I think that that's something that can certainly turn around him. It's not like he's this is who he is forever now in the negative way. Like I, I certainly believe that his slider, uh, cutter, and changeup and curveball. He's got four different secondary pitches. He just needs one of them to succeed on a given night because the fastball is that good. Mm-hmm. So uh, in some ways, I could see, yeah, Bueller above Burns because it's a little safer. At the same time, Burns's cutter is that good. I yep. mean, it's not yep. like it was just an anomaly. He had a 35% plus strikeout rate. It, it, he increased the cutter usage, dropped down on the four-seamer for that cutter. It's great. Still has that slider that misses so many bats. Uh, I mean, you can't really go wrong in my way, in my view here. I personally don't chase this. I still wouldn't even in NFBC. Um, the, my philosophy of finding stuff later, I think, still uh, still works. And you'll see more with the other ADP uh, or the other guys later on. There are some ridiculous ones I think fell too far that you can really feast on. Two questions. Yes. One Walker Bueller over under one ninety five next year. I I'm gonna say over. You say over. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I don't think the the Dodgers are going. You know, after pushing him over two hundred, I don't see why they would play with him anymore. Now I'm gonna say under. 
I'm going to say oh, 190. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to say that uh, 195 was a good number. Yeah. I think they're going to revamp, and the reason we saw it was because of all the stuff that they were dealing with, losing Dustin May, with Trevor Bauer being a piece of crap. Like, I think all that stuff is right. is, is, is why we saw it. So I think they're going to go back to the other way. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they get Kershaw back, too. Yeah, that's very important. Number two, with Sandy Alcantara, uh, Sandy Alcantara, How's, likely how's he at 14 i mean he's a well, 12th starter but yeah with him likely out of the range for you okay who is who do you feel comfortable being your ace super late right because your strategy is wait a couple rounds you're really not taking guys for the first couple rounds sure. sandy's been that guy for you for especially this past year yeah. right this hey, past year he was the one he was a, it was him and wheeler where the i got wheeler in tout and uh maybe i got no maybe i did get alcantara in that one too uh, but I no maybe I think he went so high I was so upset anyway so they're both gone yeah they're both gone who now. is your yeah. who is your couple rounds later ace? okay so um for uh, for this I'm seeing right now at 22 is Jack Flaherty I knew it <laughs> I figured that was gonna be the first person you're gonna say I mean it's who I took in the sixth round of the uh, the the 12 teamer mock we mm-hmm. did um, Jack Flaherty is getting undervalued I talked about this yesterday with uh, Chris Welsh and Scott Bogman in, in this league. Um, Flaherty is was really good. Eleven starts uh, to begin this year, uh, sub three ERA, uh, around a WHIP around one, uh, over twenty five percent strikeout rate was just more of the same. And I think I had those questions after two thousand nineteen. He had that amazing second half, and I wondered, okay, this is a guy in rhythm. Is he going to be able to stay in rhythm? And every opportunity he's had, he's just said, yeah, I'm still that good. Two thousand twenty was COVID. I mean, the 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 Cardinals were completely. Messed up with that. Mm-hmm. All, all the how many games are going to have? When are they going to pitch and stuff? It was just so messed up for Flaherty. Comes back in 2021. 11 starts. It was great. Got injured, and then couldn't. You know, he was all just kind of babied after that. I think Flaherty's skill set is still as good as we think it is. I think the Cardinals are going to let him go. And I, I think the number one thing I underrated this past year was how good the Cardinals infield defense was. Again, Arnaldo and Goldschmidt on the on the corners now is just it's insane. It's always. Yeah. So Flaherty's going to continue to have those lower than average BABIPs because yep. of that. Yeah. I, I think Flaherty is a guy that I would trust here. And actually, I even see Lance Lynn Peralta ahead of him, even Logan Webb. And I think, I don't know, Jack Flaherty's a little bit more consistent to me. So I, I, he's the one that I think I'd be circling there. I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed with Max Freed, but I think that's where there is the gap for me. I mean, Flaherty to Freed is already 10 picks in this. And then there's Barrios, there's Castillo, there's Montes, there's Musgrove, Manoa, Manoa, and those are, yeah, that's a different tier to me than Jack Flaherty. Would you feel comfortable with Luis Castillo being raised? No. Darvish? Uh, no. That's, yeah, that, I wouldn't do that. You might have to take a picture earlier than you think this year. Well, I mean, if it's uh, in, in this, I would be circling uh, Flaherty. Now, keep in mind, I want to... I wanna, I want to phrase that as like as my ace, mm-hmm. as my ace. I mean, I'm okay getting a group of guys. Yeah, that like are all... I didn't ever, I didn't really say last year that I was okay with Wheeler as my ace or that Alcantara was my ace, right? But I wanted them. I want. I said, look, I want four guys I trust before uh, inside like the top forty or top forty five, and I still feel that way. But it's it, the idea of the you need that one ace or so. It's like tr- you don't know who it's going to be, but you essentially throw yourself into the. Or you, you get enough guys that one of these should be. You don't know who it's going to be, right? Flaherty, to me, has a little bit more stability with it. The problem with the Castillo is that the whip is always going to be too high. He's a slinger. He doesn't have the best fastball command. Uh, the slider hasn't really taken off. And actually, the changeup fell down and, and swing strike rate dramatically last year. And it just the inconsistencies drive me nuts. I know it was the first two months were, were terrible. I kept saying, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Then finally, he you know he turned it on in the second half. But I still think that that's going to be the story of Luis Castillo constantly. Um, with Barrios, the curveball isn't the, like the magic pitch that we want it to be. Mm. Uh, and he's still, he found a way. I don't know if you remember the entire season. I was like, Jose Barrios, I guarantee you will have an ERA higher than 3-5. Mm. And he he was at 3-4, three, you know, 3-4-4. Four, four, and then, of course, he found a way above 3-5 by the end of the year. That's just, he's the the flag. Yeah. The great undulator. Yeah. That is Jose Barrios, right? And Darvish makes too many mistakes. That's what it was. I mean, from start to start, he would throw too many pitches in the heart of the plate, get crushed. And then the next start, he wouldn't do that. And he would go seven innings, nine strikeouts, and no one runs, right? I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to change or not so I'll be curious to see I mean I was pretty critical of all of those San Diego Padres last year because of you know Larry Rothschild and how I just didn't think that was a good hire so I'm curious to see what happens with their pitching moving forward because there's so much talent on that squad and it has not achieved any of its potential you know who I think is going to end up on a lot of your teams this is just a shot in the dark oh man I'm but curious I, I see one say. name here that I'm like this seems like a Nick Pollock name and I think he's going to end up on a lot of your who squads. is this fast Trevor Rogers Trevor Rogers, where is he right now? He's thirty nine, right about pick one hundred. Hmm. I think he's going to end up on a good amount of your teams. He could. He absolutely. I mean, if he's going around pick one hundred, he's certainly inside my forty. The question is, um, in the second half for Trevor Rogers, mm-hmm. after being so good initially, and that was really amazing fastball command in the inside corner, and then having a changeup that he could uh, get whiffs on, and then a slider he can throw into the zone effectively. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things you need. He didn't really have that full skill set in the second half. He actually didn't have a single start above uh, six innings pitch, I believe, in that second half. Yes, he had to deal with a lot of things. Uh, he he won the bereavement list. He had uh, he had a lot of things he was dealing with personally. We we feel terrible about it, and it does affect you. Yep, uh, we're humans, mm-hmm. of course. He wasn't necessarily there before it, though, and I, I don't know if we're gonna see that extra level again. I will say. I do like him more than Darvish who goes ahead. Uh, Shane McClanahan, I am lower on these days after mm. watching him more intensely. I'm more questionable about his command. Um, Pablo Lopez, the shoulder is terrifying me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like him more than the guys below. There is one here, though, at 49 that I'm in on. It's Snell. I'm on Blake Snell. Just because of the second half changes, the slider I increase. think it's a very legitimate thing. I think that... that Blake Snell finally realized, oh, right, this is the actual approach that works. You know, I throw my fastball up upper third of the zone, constantly pepper it all day, and then I have the slider that is just unhittable. Mm. And that's all you need to do, buddy. That's it. It's it's a true Blake Snell blueprint that Robbie Ray said, like, I'm going to simplify it and do it. He had success, and Blake Snell went back to his roots. Yeah. And he's been doing it, and it's amazing. Again, Larry Rothschild, like not being effective in the beginning of the year, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Seems, uh, so I mean, maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Maybe he helped Blake Snell with that change. I personally think he did, but I'm curious to see what happens there. I want to jump back up a little bit higher because you mentioned his name, and this is an interesting back to back for me. Uh, at 15 and 16, picks 41 and 45 respectively is Nola and Ray. Ah, yeah. That's okay. very interesting. That's a very interesting t- choice to make between the two of those. If both you have, you need to take a pitcher. Both of those are available. You have to choose between the two. Who are you taking? I'm taking Robbie Ray. Wow. Yeah. It's almost the end of an era. 
Oh, come on. No, this is big. This shouldn't I, be something that we just gloss over. No, no, it's re- not Nola Day anymore. <laughs> the sun has set on Nola Day. Okay, first of all, how dare you make this a negative thing instead of a positive thing? Okay, I mean a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I've I've I had Robbie Ray inside the top ten, and then I initially had Nola at like twenty. I mean, he just had a very terrible season, and I think it's kind of interesting. A lot of a lot of things I've seen, I've been like, oh, the home run rate was higher, so that should come back down for Aaron Nola, right? But you might not realize that his home run five ball rate was career normal. Mm-hmm. He was actually the best he's had since two thousand eighteen. The real weirdness of the season, fly ball rates went way up. We're talking like sub 30% rates from previous seasons. This was over 40% for Aaron Nola this past year. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. That's not the Aaron Nola that we know. Um, I I don't believe that he's necessarily going to be that forever now. I mean, I, he, he struggled with his change of a good amount. And the curveball is still elite, but he had to do too much this year. I my I guess what I'm saying is Robbie Ray's approach worked for 30 straight games. Mm. You know, it, it's not something that just happened in a month or so. I'm thinking we're really putting so much weight in that. This was legitimately the entire season, right? I mean, after the first two starts, which weren't even terrible, he did go with a switch saying, you know what, I'm not going to nibble anymore. I'm going to throw in the zone a ton more and that, all of that. And I don't, I don't really see a reason for us to doubt it at this point. I know that he gives up more hard contact than I would like. I understand this, but I uh, I still think Robbie Ray has something that clearly works, and I don't really see it changing too much in Seattle. Now, Aaron Nola, I, I had him around, I think, 22. I've already said I'm going to probably bring him up around to 15 or 16 because, I yeah, he's not going to be a 4-plus ERA guy again. I don't believe that. But there is some worry about that high fly ball rate that needs to change, and I don't know if that's how much of a change we're going to see. It's funny to me, he he has had this home run problem before. 2019, he actually gave up more home runs. It was it was about 20 more innings, but he gave up more home runs with a drastically lower ERA. I mean, almost a full run lower ERA. Uh, with I was just looking at his expected home runs um, between 2021 and 2019. He gave up more no-doubters. He gave up 10 no-doubt, 10 no-doubt home runs in 2019. No-doubter is a home run that would leave in every ballpark. Uh, he gave up nine in 2021. So, yeah, again... 20 more innings in 2019, but he's had this issue before. He's corrected this issue before. He's kind of actually fluctuated a little bit back and forth, um, and he's still been able to be a sub-4 ERA pitcher. I I still think that's a little bit high. I would probably take Robbie Ray there as well, um, but I think we can both agree that Aaron Nola will not be a greater than four ERA. Yeah, I don't, I don't. That's not the expectation uh, that we have for Robbie. Ray. Uh, sorry for for Aaron Nola or Robbie Ray. Honestly, I uh, they're both really good, and I understand that going with Nola inside of an NPC is the history, and it's something that um I'm I'm constantly debating about. I don't know when always to lean on the side of three year you know regressions to the mean or yeah just uh no this is a new guy now, but I. I tend to lean like, no, this is a different thing. And Robbie Rice certainly feels like that. And look, honestly, I mean, Corn Burton's going after Cole is certainly some appreciation of the new thing. Sure. So uh, we'll see how this one turns out. Speaking of new things, then, that actually brings me to my next back-to-back, which are two pitchers that do have kind of new things. Um, and is it real? Is it not real? Uh, and that's Freddie Peralta versus Kevin Gaussman. Mm. 
So what what are you choosing there? I mean, there's there's a lot of pros and cons to what, both. What do we do with Freddie Peralta? What do we do with Kevin Gaussman? Well, Kevin Gaussman, I think, is more straightforward at this point. I mean, it, his fastball command has been great. He's increased its velocity. His splitter is the most consistent one in baseball. I mean, he had this really weird moment in the middle of the season where he was uh, on the paternity list, I believe. It might have been bereavement, but I don't remember. I, I think he had a kid. He had a kid? Okay. I think so. Uh, but he was removed for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, he was out for a and while. And then, uh, like, he had a scare for a second, and then he was on the paternity list. I think that's what it was. Um, but he, he was essentially removed. He had maybe a month that wasn't quite the smooth Kevin Gaussman. But then he got back there, and everything was fine. And, okay, yeah, Kevin Gaussman's really good. More at 11. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, he's now in Toronto, yep. which... That's what scares me. That's the scary part. I get it. I understand that. You know, you're getting... But at least it's not Baltimore. <laughs> But he, he'll pitch there. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just messing around with you. Um, that at least he's not he's on a winning team this time. <laughs> sure. Uh, and when he's in the East, he was in the playoffs. But, uh, no, he, he was on our team when we made the playoffs run. By the way, so he was on a winning team. You mean the wild card game? Uh, well, no, we we actually went to the playoffs before that, where we lost to the Royals. Um, we went to the playoffs. We've won a majority of our wild card games. By the way, we played the first ever. I, I've sat here and listened game. to fast. Speak, you know, whine so much about his team that I've forgotten any moment positive moment. that the, the Orioles did well. We beat the Rangers in the first ever one off wildcard game. Oh, then wow. we beat arguably the greatest rotation of all time now, which was that had every Cy Young winner on it. We beat Scherzer, the Phillies? Scherzer, Verlander. <laughs> oh, that was a great that was year. The Phillies, man. That's, that was definitely the Phillies in 2009. No, no, no. But it, it, like, if oh, you're saying now, in time, oh, yeah, all of them have won a World Series ring. All of them have won in Cy Young. That was the Robbie Ray. Oh, the Cy Young. Robbie and Ray, World Rick Porcello. No, Robbie Ray's never won a World Series. Oh, Robbie Ray was on that one? Yeah. Okay. Robbie Ray, Rick Porcello, Max Scherzer, David Price, Justin Verlander. Wasn't there another one that wasn't? Okay, fine. Jordan Zimmerman was he? I think he was on that team. Well, then maybe there is your Cy Young. Okay. I uh, know your your World Series. Because uh, he was with the Nationals in 2019, wasn't he? I think so. Maybe the Tigers. Oh, look at us, huh? Imagine Baseball. us in like 40 years doing this. Oh, I wish oh, he had that. No. Sidney <laughs> Ponson was on the Orioles. <laughs> it always goes back it's to Sidney Ponson, yeah. and I'm happy. I'm, I'm here for that. That's the know? name of our new baseball cast, the Ponson cast. <laughs> yeah, the Ponson cast. There it is. Uh all right, so so moving on to this because I do want there are some guys I want to talk about. Wait, I know, we didn't settle Gaussman versus. Oh, I mean, it's Gaussman. It's Gaussman. It's Gaussman. I think it's a lot more consistent with what you know. With we know more about what Gaussman does. Freddie Peralta just about 140 innings this year. Mm. He's a sidewinder, and it still drives me nuts. Uh, where he pitches from like super closed off, and it does mean that command can falter. But I watched him. I watched him in preparation for next year because I I recognize. It's it's Manoa, uh, Webb, uh, Peralta, and McClanahan, the four hardest ones for me to rank this mm. year. And I felt more confident in what Peralta does. Uh, I was very skeptical that the slider would be good after not being able to command his fastball forever. And uh, it was great. It yep. was amazing um, on top of a fastball that found the zone enough. So maybe I am undervaluing this. I will say Gaussman does have a higher ceiling. Mm. And uh, I don't think he's going to hurt you. So I think I'm going to lean with that. And it's not like Peralta's in a great home run, <clears throat> great home run ball. Well, he is so. in the NL Central, though, to yeah. his benefit, yeah. and not the AL East. Yeah, I, I just that's my biggest concern is him in Toronto, which the balls can fly out of him facing the Yankees, going to pitch in Yankee Stadium, pitching in Baltimore. 
Like I'm just imagining the balls with a suitcase and like, all right, I'm flying right. out of here. See you later, man. Have fun. Oh, I'm going to the top of the deck. <laughs> going out to California after yeah. living in Brooklyn for so long. How fast is your flight travel? Well, about 120 miles an hour. Um, <sighs> all right, what was your? What were you trying to pivot to? I'm just okay. Later, guys. Okay. One goes. I don't know what to do with Carlos Rodon. No one knows what to do with Carlos Rodon. If you want to take a chance yeah. on Carlos Rodon, go ahead. I'm. I, I think Blake Snell at 49 is an interesting one. There was some news about Lance McCullers actually that I saw recently. Oh, that he was going to start pitching again soon? Yeah, that he's that there's a uh, I think it was maybe a week ago um, inside of Jeff Zimmerman's mining the news, which is he's it's unbelievable that article. I uh, that my colors is still yeah waiting to throw, and mm-hmm. he may not be ready for opening day. We'll see. I hope so. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. certainly a fantastic pitcher. Yeah, I will see. I I think the most shocking one to me is at fifty two. Fifty two. Shane Baz that high? Unreal, unbelievable. I, I mean, in, in NFBC, too, where I would imagine... You want more. Yeah, you want it. Yeah, exactly. And innings. And I, I, I've i said this before. I'm going to throw out there that there is a chance that Shane Boz is not in the majors on opening day. Mm-hmm. They might do exactly what they did with Shane McClanahan. Yep. Where Shane McClanahan was not here on opening day, and you'll be a couple weeks until you see Shane Boz, and they won't tell you when that day will be for the Rays because, they, yeah, he's going to go, what, 140 innings? I, look, I see Chris Bassett after it. I'm a Chris Bassett fan again mm-hmm. because I didn't realize that his four-seamer was a strikeout pitch. Yeah. He, I completely missed that. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that maybe on a previous podcast. But I, I'm i back in on uh, on Chris Bassett. And at 54, I mean, there's there's a lot more value and consistency uh, from Bassett than Boz, as much as I love him. I would take Logan Gilbert I over him. I was just going to bring oh, him up. You, you Logan Gilbert fan? Well, I like the Fastball Foundation. Yeah, it's a good foundation. It's, I mean, he, yeah. he can build on it. It's that. better than Asimov's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. People have a lot more of a religious experience with, with uh, <laughs> Logan Gilbert's for sure. Yeah, I, I like that he can build on that. And it's not like um, I don't see him losing it the way that like Chris Paddock kind of lost it. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like it just seems a little bit more more stable there. And I like what Seattle's doing. I mean, hopefully the slider becomes consistent. That was the thing. When you had two offerings, you had the fastball dominating, and then you also had a slider to keep guys off balance, then Logan Gilbert soared. But yeah. He didn't always have that. There's also a changeup and curveball in there, but the slider is the one that I would believe could take the next step forward. And he can go a, a lot of innings this year, yeah. 180 or so. I wouldn't be shocked if Gilbert can do that. And there's also a 58 Zach Gallon, and I, oh, I really like Zach Gallon. Yeah. This is where I'd feast. This yeah, is this what is I would your, do. No, you're going to Gallon. I would get like one Flaherty, maybe, maybe a little touch of that, maybe some, I don't know. Yeah, none of this. I'm just going to Snell, then I'd go like. Gilbert and Gallon, maybe I don't even know if I want to spend that much on Gilbert, but I uh, yeah Gallon, I mean he still has the skill set. Like we didn't see the slider changeup curveball come to true form in that second half this year after when he returned from the hamstring injury, mm. but fastball was still an elite called strike pitch, and as long as he has that, then the other three pitches when the actually are coming into form like they were before in 2019 and 20, he should be excellent. Um, a quick caveat. What's going on with all these relievers? Stop. Please. Jordan Romano, 102. They're trying Will to find Smith, saves. 93. Saves are, uh, uh, you know, 10% of the NFBC. If he goes zero on saves, then, uh, yeah, I You'll don't get him later. Mark Melanson <laughs> is a top 50 it, pitcher It's harder here. in the 15-teamer fast. Mark Melanson's ADP is, is close to his age. <laughs> I love Mark Blitz. I love these guys. These are great. I'm all about it. But what's going on here? This is ridiculous. Oh, Camilo Duvall is right behind Luis Severino. Yeah, he should be an interesting one, though. He throws hard. 
He throws hard, but he's on a team that likes to split up saves. He's on a team managed by Gabe Kapler. What are you doing? The work is there. Read it. Like there's evidence there. Uh, you can maybe you can make. Maybe we had not one but two articles about how we're drafting saves wrong. I might have to do a fourth, a third. It's <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Oh, by the way, we are going to be releasing very soon um, a uh, an article called "The Pitcherless Library," where you can see all of the cool research articles we've done over the years in one place. Um, it's a great off season. Um, you know, thing to look at when we're going through the lockout, and you'll see both of Alex Fast's articles as he shakes in frustration. Scott Barlow is ahead of Mike Clevenger. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. Where's Clev? Where is Clev he? Clev is Where? 71. 71. He's picked 186. He's close. To, wow. He's almost out of the top 200. People are like, give me Barlow. I'm actually kind of shocked that Clevenger is behind Severino. I mean, I know that Severino returned. Yeah. I would have. I would have. Would you have Clevenger or Sonny Gray? Clevenger. It's crazy how far down he is. I think. I, I mean, that's. I'm. I've been known to be more out on Gray than others, though. Uh, Gray, I think, is just too inconsistent with his secondary stuff, and his fastball is not good enough to save him. Um, we we saw one start this year where he was successful with the fastball, and it's it's one of those cases like Plesac had it too. We see you guys have a good night. See what worked to have that good night because we know. Sonny Gray is not known for being successful with fastballs, mm-hmm. and that's what happened there. I was like, okay, that's not that's not real. It's an easy thing to do in season. One, over under one forty five for Clevenger, ADP by the time. No, no, no. Uh, uh, innings. Good question. I'd say over. I'd say like one fifty, one sixty, one fifty, one sixty. You know, I mean, I feel like it's different than the the youngin mm-hmm. doing it right. He's a little bit older, closer to free agency for the Padres. They certainly. I mean, given their luck this past year, they'll certainly need him to do you know pitch as much as he can. God, on paper, it's still Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, and then Nick Martinez. I mean, there's also Adam Wayne right there at 177. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is just fun. This is what we do. This is what a good podcast is, guys. We just go through and be like, huh, huh. We're, hey, we're, we're realizing it huh. as you realize it, too. <laughs> Scott Barlow, what is going on here? What is going on, Scott Barlow? How we doing? Joe Barlow, ahead of Jordan Montgomery, Alex Wood, Patrick Sandoval. <sighs> yeah, oh, Patrick Sandoval. There's a, there's a phone. Okay, so one actually that I'm I'm certainly eyeing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is fascinating. Okay, so there's Tarek Skubal at 72. Mm-hmm. And Tarek is the perfect example of something we don't really see that often which is actual development in front of our eyes through the entire season. Um, it was a case where entering it, he was an extreme fastball guy, 65% plus fastball usage, right? Thinking like Lance Lynn kind of elements. And in the back of our minds, we all thought that's not really the trajectory of Tarek Skubal. So this year, yeah, I mean, he experimented a lot with secondary stuff. And I think we saw a lot of good moments with his slider and his changeup. And when he started getting into that groove, the Tigers said, okay, we've got a plan around 140, 150 innings for you, so now it's just three inning starts. So it kind of stunted everything, and we we wait. But now, 180 innings should probably arrive. Mm-hmm. And he improved with his slider and his changeup last year. The fastball's still really good, has intent to elevate it effectively and jam right-handers inside as a lefty. Tarek Skubal is someone I think that can really soar in the in the season ahead and i mean i will say there are you know it's not like all the guys ahead are bad though you know uh, the only one that i really have any problem with is eduardo rodriguez in 158 but i've certainly wasted a lot of breath on that mm. in the past before so i won't bore you but then same with ranger suarez at 163 as the 64th pitcher here 
But, uh, I mean, Tarek Skubal is someone I would be certainly looking at. Definitely more so than Tanner Houck, who's nearby, who just, his slider was not as good, guys. It looks really filthy at times, but it really was not the consistent offering we needed it to be. And that's not great. <laughs> there isn't a real three-pitch to mix there that sometimes a splitter would show up, but Tanner Hawk is a little bit more scary. Um, Joe Ryan is a little, I mean, I like him, but there's John Means after them at 213. Yeah. yeah. Are you in on John Means still? Uh, what? Um, that was he, did throw, he did throw a perfect game. No, he didn't fast. Stop Stop gaslighting here, okay? It was... Speaking truths. Did Clint Kershaw throw no, uh, sorry, a perfect game against the Rockies? Yeah. No, he didn't. Mm. Hanley Ramirez overthrew it. It was a no-hitter. An error, it does not come. You can't have an error in a perfect game fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of revisionist history, and uh, if I can convince people that that was actually a perfect game, then I'll do it. Oh, man. No, an oh, error means no-hitter. Error means no-hitter. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Putting the means in there. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, wait, I want I want we, we got to wrap up soon, but I want yeah. I want to move past 300 and read some of the names okay. and and uh, you know who is, you know, this is a little easy. I'm going to skip it. Number 300 is technically Jesus Lazardo. That's pretty easy to say. He's very capable oh, of making a man. jump. Oh man. Jesus Lazardo. No, that last start, I'm not doing it. I said I wouldn't do it and I'm not doing it. I'm well, not getting at into 300? it. I'm not doing it. At 300. I know. He, that's why. That's why I literally said I'm skipping him because he's the perfect yeah, number three hundred. He, uh, he's like well the deserved. perfect well number three hundred. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So some of the other guys falling outside of the top three hundred. I want you to let me know who you think has the highest upside that could get into the top one fifty. Sure. Okay. So let's. I'm just going to read through a few. Lauer, Carrasco, Kikuchi, Plezak, um, Cobb, McGill, Sixto Sanchez, Gonsolin, Walker, Alzalay. Okay. So I. There are three things I want to mention very okay. quickly. Sixto obviously has the highest ceiling. Craig Mish came out and said, I've heard nothing positive, and there's no improvement here. That's, that's terrifying. There's the heck out yeah, of me. Not, yeah, I'm not interested. But in a 12-teamer, if it's the last pick, then yeah, sure. But, I mean, this is NFBC, a little bit different. These still matter. Uh, so a little bit different. I don't know if I'd necessarily go for that. Um, Carlos Carrasco, I think, I'm in on. Because okay. the velocity did not diminish. And normally when you see older guys return from injury and they're not as good, it's because the velocity is down. But it wasn't the case with Carrasco. Still throwing 95. And if you can do that with the slider and change up both working, because he had moments with both being successful this past year, we could see hints of him in his prime Cleveland days. So I think he's the most interesting to me. I will say I'm more encouraged by Eric Lauer after watching more of him. Okay. Um, and this is something I've realized is when I say someone's a Toby or mm-hmm. I say that, you know, he's we know that he's not that great, doesn't have this high ceiling. What is the, the actual quality? You can say, sure, it's a low strikeout rate. It's just not a believable ERA and whip based on the stuff. But honestly, what's happening is these are guys that are avoiding the heart of the plate, but they're still finding their strikes. OK. And that means by you know being on the edge of the zone doing a good free real estate pitch as a curveball early on or a slider early on to just get 00 to 01 uh, or and then inducing a, enough o swing that they get decent chances at returning outs think of it this way as a hitter you're happy to be one third right yeah. batting average of 333 now imagine if you have to do that while not getting any pitches in the middle it just goes down right mm-hmm. and that's essentially what a toby does to be successful Eric Lauer did that effectively in the second half. 
But generally, as we see with Vargas rules and all that stuff, the reason I have these silly terms is because that stuff generally doesn't last forever. And I don't know if it will with Eric Lauer, but there is at least some hope that it can to some degree. And at 300, I would take a chance on that more so than the other guys after him. So I think that's well placed. You have me very curious, and I'm trying to put in a query real quick and, and load this about who picked up the highest percentage of their called strikes in the shadow zone. The shadow zone. And that's interesting. I'm looking at this list, and it's really I, I, not I, a... Here's the interesting thing about the shadow zone. The more that I've studied it and looked into it, it's been nothing. Interesting, because this you know? doesn't look... The results are not... Because it needs the light to have a shadow. <laughs> so focus on the light. So you're saying you want pitchers who get more called strikes over the heart of the plate? Well, the more that... If you have more success inside the zone... Right. So that means that's, that's more of an indication of your ability, I guess. I don't know. All, I'm, all I really know is that everything I've seen about the shadow zone isn't actually as sticky or uh, tangible as I'd want it to be. Guys that pick up called strikes. It, this is a much more impressive list of okay. guys who pick up called strikes over the heart of the plate. Right. The top. Who do you think was the best? And th- these are good names. The, 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 the leader in shadow zone called strikes was Zach Davies. Yeah, it sounds right. Because they have to. Because yeah, yeah. that's literally what he has to do. So who led the league? In called strikes, a majority of their called strikes being over the heart of the plate. A guy I mean, who gets a lot of called strikes. I mean, Robbie Ray. That's Robbie he, Ray. That's what he he peppered the entire time. Actually, let me. Oh, I, I I made the bar a little too high. I did it with a minimum of two hundred. Let me lower it to one hundred, because um, I only ended. If it was two hundred. It would be like Wheeler or something. It was two hundred. Actually, this guy is now number two. Um, this is a really Robbie Ray is fifty fourth. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's shocking. Fifty fourth. 442 called strikes, 183 over the heart of the plate. Um, let's go with, I mean, I was going with Wheeler. Uh, it's, this is a bizarre list. <laughs> Wheeler, blower, 99th. Wow. Number right. one. Yeah, go ahead. Pablo Lopez. Really? 268 called strikes overall, 128 over the heart of the plate. Wow. Number two, with the, the much higher threshold, Chris Bassett. Mm. Chris Bassett, by yes. far. So his sinker messes with you. He's, he's really good at this. I might have done that query wrong because I'm just no. no he's a, he's a heavy called strike guy. He has like a he's low swing strike rate stuff. But I mean the four seamer is what you know, makes up for it a little bit and when he needs it with two strikes. But yeah, he throws singers endlessly. Like, I would be curious of the stickiness there because I wonder yeah. if then the 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 the, the word gets out. Of oh, like, cool! Fast, you find your next article. No, God, I have no time for yeah, articles. Yeah, you have a yeah. Have you made all the announcements yet? Can I say all the things? Yeah, the baby and the yeah, job. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah cool, the beginning. Cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you've got all that stuff. Right, right. Opening day and everything. You've got all this time in the world. I got. I'm just gonna focus on a top 100 list. Are if you I can be, do a top 100 list, I'll be happy. Are you going to be able to be there at PitchCon? <laughs> End of January. End of end of January. Yeah, January. Yeah, yeah. End of okay. January. I can do. I'll be probably so lonely just sitting in my house. And oh, yeah, we haven't we haven't done the full announcements yet at PitchCon, but the plan right now is that Wednesday to Saturday because there's football on Sunday. Oh. And so we we understand you're gonna watch your football, whatever. Me, the Ravens have been so maddening. I mean, but it's gonna be ending on Saturday. We're gonna have a wonderful uh, surprise at the end of closing or for closing ceremonies. Wink, wink, nudge. Yeah, nudge. it's it's really cool. That is actually a yeah. lovely note. Yes. To wrap up on. Look at that. The final for a while. 
For a while in, in person. person. Yeah. Until Petra I go out to California or something. You come see the baby. We do a podcast maybe while we're waiting in the for the baby to come. <laughs> It'll probably be opening day. Yeah, probably take about ten minutes and then the baby's gotta go and take a nap again or whatever. I'll do a I'll do a <laughs> poll. I'll do a poll in the Discord about naming my child. Uh, <laughs> that always goes. I've already well. given you my names. I already yeah. know what it should be. Um I believe it was Sydney Pompton Fast. Sydney is Ponson. what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, great. We'll do that. <laughs> um all right, that is going to wrap it up for episode we don't know of on the corner, the official <laughs> Mitchellist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.